So coming tonight to Hebrews and to the chapter 7, and we'll read together from the 11th verse, Hebrews 7 and the verse 11. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident, for that after the similitude of Melchizedek there ariseth another priest who was made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifieth, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. And inasmuch as not without an oath he was made priest, for those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath, by him that said unto him, The Lord swear, and will not repent, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. Amen. We land there at verse 22. And it is to that 22nd verse that I would want to draw your attention just for a little time as we come to observe the Lord's table. And verse 22 says, By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And the thought tonight before us is that Christ is our surety. Christ is our surety. And this word surety is a legal term. It would appear today still in legal documents. If an individual is entering into a contract, then they may perhaps need a surety. And the surety is one who would take responsibility for that individual. It normally involves an undertaking to pay the debt of the other party. If for whatever reason that party is unable to pay what they owe, then the surety would have to step in. And the surety would have to undertake that debt. And they themselves would become liable for 
that full amount. Maybe you would be familiar with it in relation to someone making a purchase, and it is a substantial purchase whereby they enter into a payment plan, and the payment plan is to pay it over a period of time. And in order to enter into such a contract, they may require a surety or a guarantor, one who's prepared to sign and one who would take responsibility in the eventuality that they're unable to fulfill that contract and they're unable to pay what they owe. The surety has to take that on. Maybe in relation to renting a property. And I know with my own children going to university and needing to rent a property that they would come to dad and, well, they need that guarantor, they need that surety. I just put their mother's name on it. But they need someone who's able to undertake if they are unable to pay. Now, to take that position is to take a pledge that you will become accountable for the other. And therefore, it's a very serious matter. It's not a matter that you would enter into lightly. And the Scriptures even warn us about that. In the book of Proverbs, as the writer speaks to his son, he says, My son, in Proverbs 6 and 1, If thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. And what the writer of Proverbs is warning is that if you were to enter into that position of becoming a surety and you're entering into it lately, you could find yourself ensnared with another's debt. In Proverbs chapter 11, it's also addressed in the 15th verse. He that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it. And he that hateth suretyship is sure. And so the scriptures would even be uh, saying to us that it's something you certainly wouldn't enter into for a stranger. For you would smart for it. You'll suffer for it. If you enter into that surety position for a stranger, you would end up regretting it. And so it's not to be taken lightly. And yet what we find from our text of Scripture tonight is that that's the very position that the Savior took for his people. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And so the Lord Jesus Christ took that very position for his people. And it's appropriate for us tonight, just as we come to sit around the Lord's table and to remember his suffering and to remember his death, to think about him being our surety and what that means for us tonight. Well, firstly, it means that he takes our place. He takes our place. 
He's the one who becomes responsible and he becomes accountable for his people. And the best way for us to understand it is to actually see in God's word an example of it, of one who was prepared to become a surety. If you were to turn back to the book of Genesis and to the chapter 43, and here it concerns Jacob's sons. And we know during the time of famine, his sons had to go to Egypt in order to buy food. And when they went to Egypt, they didn't realize that the governor of Egypt was their brother Joseph, that they had sold off those years earlier. And so Joseph has told them that if they're ever to return to Egypt, they cannot come back unless they bring their youngest brother, Benjamin, with them. And it came to that time whenever they were running out of food again and they needed to go the second time to Egypt and Jacob was so reluctant to, to let Benjamin go with his brothers. In fact, he refused to let him go. And it was then that Judah came to his father with a proposal. And in Genesis chapter 43 and the verses 8 and 9. And Judah said unto Israel his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou, and also our little ones. Now mark those words in verse 9. I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. And whenever Jacob was so reluctant to let his youngest son Benjamin go because in his mind and heart he'd already lost Joseph, and Judah said to his father, We can't go back to Egypt without Benjamin. If you let him go, I'll be surety for him. There we see that example of one who took that position of being a surety. And the words of Judah there in Genesis chapter 43 indicate something of what it meant to be a surety. He was taking full responsibility for Benjamin. And he was giving that pledge to his father it's good to see that it was a father and son who were entering into this agreement. Jacob and Judah, they entered into that agreement together concerning another. And the father and son agree together that Judah would be the surety. He would take full responsibility and he would give that pledge that he would bring him back again. But Judah's saying, I will be surety for him. I'll take his place. Do you know that pledge was to be tested? The very next chapter in Genesis, chapter 44, the brothers are now in Egypt, and you would know the story well. 
You would know how whenever the brothers were leaving that Joseph had their money put back in their sacks and into Benjamin's sack he put his silver cup. And then Joseph sent the men and they would overtake the brothers and they would search the sacks and to their disbelief in the sack of Benjamin there is Joseph's cup. And they're brought back to Egypt before Joseph. And Joseph is saying, Benjamin must now become my servant. The rest of you are free to go. Benjamin becomes my servant. And then Judah. Judah intervenes at that point. Judah steps in. Judah comes before Joseph And he wants to plead on behalf of Benjamin. And when you look at Genesis chapter 44 and the verses 32 and 33, listen to what Judah is saying. And he's speaking of himself when he says, Thy servant. He says, For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. Do you see there what Judah was willing to do? Because he had entered into that agreement with his father that he would be a surety for Benjamin when it came to the point where Joseph was saying, Benjamin must be my servant. Judah says, let him go. I'll take his place. The surety will take the place of another. And Judah said, let thy servant abide instead of the lad. Take me instead of Benjamin. You know, that's a wonderful illustration of the gospel. And Judah there becomes a great type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God the Father and God the Son entered into a covenant agreement together. In the councils of the eternal Godhead, the Savior agreed to become the surety for his people. And the Lord Jesus Christ was willing to take our place. We who were guilty and hell-deserving sinners, the Lord Jesus has stepped in. And the Lord Jesus has intervened and he has become responsible and accountable on our behalf. And the Savior is saying that he would take our place. Take me instead of the lad. And instead of us, the Lord Jesus Christ faced the consequences for our sins. And so the surety is one who takes the place of another. And we know tonight around the Lord's table that our Savior has taken our place. He's become a surety for us. But secondly, it not only means to take the place of another, 
but it means to pay the price for another. That's what we illustrated in the introduction. It normally involves undertaking a debt. And we owed a great debt before God because of our sin. We had broken God's holy law. We had transgressed God's law. We had sinned before him and we had accumulated a great debt before God. And as a penalty and as a consequence of our sin and because of that debt, we faced the consequences of sin. We faced eternal death in hell. And each one of us tonight would have been in hell for all eternity. We would be facing the wrath of God if it wasn't for Christ our surety stepping in. And he intervened on our behalf and he agreed not only to take our place but to pay the price that we owed. And to take upon himself the consequences, the penalty for our sin. And the Lord Jesus Christ was willing to settle our account and to pay our debt in full. And the emblems before us tonight on the table... The bread, the broken bread, is speaking to us of the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. His body, his flesh, was torn and was broken. He suffered for us to pay the price that we owed. The cup that is upon the table that reminds us of the Savior's precious blood, and it's the blood that he poured out in order to pay the price for our redemption. And as the Savior upon the tree gave up the ghost and he laid down his life, it is our surety paying the price for our redemption. That little chorus, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to take my sins away. That little chorus goes on to say, Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. He became that surety and he settled that account for us. And all the demands of the law All the demands of a broken law, all the demands of divine justice have been met in the Lord Jesus Christ, our surety. The sufficiency of his death, the value of his precious blood, the satisfaction that he made before God. He paid the price and he took our place. In Psalm 119, and the verse 122, it's an interesting verse. And it says, Be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. And sometimes in Psalm 119, you're told that there are some verses in Psalm 119 that don't make reference to the word of God. 
and you would go searching through the 176 verses to see, is there a verse that doesn't make reference to the Word of God? Well, you found one in verse 122. Be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. It speaks about the oppression and one commentator suggests that, that maybe just at this verse, it's as if the psalmist has got his eyes off the Word of God for just a moment and he feels that oppression and he realizes he needs a surety. And he says, Be surety for thy servant for good. And we can see another role there of the surety. It's to defend the one who's being oppressed by the enemy. The devil would want to have us, that he would sift us as wheat. The devil would want to oppress us. The devil would want to destroy our testimony. But our surety is the one who intervenes for us. And he has come to take our place and to pay that price. And in doing that, he has come to our defense. And what though the accuser roar of ills that I have done, I know them all and thousands more, but praise God, Jehovah findeth none. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our surety, he has paid the price for us. And what a blessing it is tonight to be able to gather around the Lord's table and just to remember what he has done for us when he suffered upon the tree. He was paying that price for our salvation. And so the surety will take our place. The surety will pay the price that we owe. And then also the surety fulfills the promise. You see, becoming the surety involves that pledge or that promise. And when we think of the Savior, it says, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And the Lord Jesus Christ was entering into that position and was making a pledge or giving a promise there. You remember the example of Judah becoming the surety for Benjamin? What was really the promise that was involved there? What promise did he give to the father that he would bring him home? He would bring him home. If you go over those verses again in Genesis 43 and 44, it was that Benjamin would be brought home again and would be there before the father. That's actually what he's referring to in those verses at the end of the 44th chapter. And he says, Now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren, for how shall I go up to my father, and the lad be not with me? How shall I go up to my father, and the lad be not with me? That pledge all involved Benjamin getting home. That was the understanding. And then the covenant arrangement 
between God the Father and God the Son, and it concerned God's people. The pledge was that Christ would bring God's people home. And he would bring them home to glory. And so the Lord Jesus Christ becoming a surety for his people was his promise that he would bring them home to glory. And that promise is fulfilled by Christ that every last one of his people will be brought home to glory itself. Maybe through death. If the Lord tarries, then each one of us will face death. I was looking at how Job faced death. And in that book of Job, in the chapter 17, he said in verse 1 My breath is corrupt, my days are extinct, the graves are ready for me. The graves are ready for me. And Job is speaking here as an individual who is approaching death. He's speaking as a dying man. And in Job chapter 17 and the verse 3, he said, Lay down now, put me in a surety with thee. Who is he that will strike hands with me? It's remarkable when Job was actually approaching death and he said, the graves are ready for me. His life was was almost over, he felt. And he said there, put me in a surety with thee. Who will strike hands with me? Job knew that he couldn't face death alone. He couldn't face death without a surety. And he was saying, who will strike hands with me? Who will enter into that position with me? Who will be a surety for me with God? And the words of Job are pointing us to the Savior. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who will become our surety. And when that time comes for each one of us, the graves are ready for us. And we're going to leave this scene of time. It's at that point that the Lord will claim us as his own. It's at that point that the Lord will plead our case before the bar of God in heaven. And he is at where will strike hands with us. We sometimes sing that hymn, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. As sure as Christ is in heaven, we will be in heaven because he is the surety that will fulfill that promise. And no wonder as it comes in Hebrews chapter 7 and the verse 25, and we didn't read that far in our Bible reading, but he says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. The Lord Jesus Christ saves to the uttermost. 
And one day is our surety he's going to bring us each one right through to glory. And we will be with him forevermore.